One such storm had left trees burning across the plains like torches. It was a memory so vivid it might not have been real, may have been fostered in folklore instead, in stories told and repeated until they became truer than memory. Another flash of lightning veining the night sky. The nights were cooler and better for walking, but the taboo was still strong within her. Women who are with child mustn't walk after dark. And just as well, the roads weren't safe. She'd heard loud voices patrolling the highway, had seen the sweep of headlights. They weren't looking for her, just looking, but the threat was the same. There were no burning bushes on this night, only bruised skies and a clouded moon. I don't know if I can go on. She whispered this to her belly. It was all she could do to sit up, to unwind the goatskin from around her legs. A harmattan dust fountained off her. Keep walking. It took her three tries to get the jerry can under the folded cloth atop her head, three more to make the first step. She could see the curve of asphalt running through the hillocks, and as she walked down to meet it, she heard the scurry of something small and afraid in the underbrush. At the blacktop, she saw no sign of the night patrols or slumbering truck drivers either, so no scraps of food to pick through. Only asphalt and, to the south, her destination. Zaria. She'd been able to see the city low among the plains for several days now, had been walking toward its minarets and mosque, had been laboriously rolling it toward her, trying to bring it near— but it never seemed to draw closer, always seemed to hover out of reach, an illusion born of wavering heat and a walking that grew slower and less sure with every passing day. The globe was getting more and more difficult to turn underfoot. As the sun crawled its way back up the sky, Zarya's city appeared again, then disappeared, slipping behind distant hills and scrubland trees, lost to a foreground of thorn bushes and acacia. The road brought her suddenly to an army checkpoint, and she caught her breath, steadied the jerry can. It was still early, and the road was quiet. She started past the barrier the soldiers had rigged up, planks bound by hemp rope laid across cement-filled oil barrels, treading softly, eyes down. On the roadside, a single army lorry, painted a camouflage green better suited for the jungles of the Delta, was parked at a haphazard angle. Soldiers were sleeping on mats in the back. She might have made it past, save for a young soldier who was squatting beside a small stove boiling his morning coffee. He was startled by the sight of her and scrambled for his rifle as she hurried by. He hollered at her in the pidgin English that passed for a common language among those outsiders who couldn't speak Hausa or French. Oi! Waitin' day for! She kept walking. Heard him slide a round of ammunition into the chamber. A junior soldier, no doubt, given the rifle he was using. Not an AK-47, but a single bolt action, the kind her brothers had patrolled their cattle herds with. The soldier's voice grew more frantic as she walked away. Waitin' day for! Get in this moto! But she kept walking. She heard grumbled voices of other soldiers complaining, and then the sudden sound of a vehicle approaching, braking hard, and a gunshot. 
She flinched, almost dropping the jerry can. With her arms held out, she turned slowly around, hoping it was only a warning. They'd already forgotten her. A large diesel tanker truck was slowing down, grinding gears as it came to a jerky stop at the barrier. The other soldiers woke and tumbled out, wanting to make sure they got their share. Not a gunshot, an engine backfiring, and a modern form of ambush trading. She spotted the senior officer striding up to the driver's window, an AK-47 in hand, authority in every step, and she turned, hurried on. Moments later, the truck rumbled past, draping her in a chalky cloud. She was, once again, invisible.